you changed your life just from joining that Facebook group, pretty much. 100%. Within the first six weeks, I found somebody that changed the rest of my life. And the wow. networking component of filmmaking is everything. iPhones now are better than the cameras that the Titanic was shot on. Because somebody can give me a really bad camera, but because I know what to do with it and how to tell a story, that story is ultimately going to hook an audience way more than somebody who has a really great camera, but they have no skills in how to use it. What is the difference between cinematography and videography? <laughs> um, I would say... My guest today, I dare say, is a celebrity videographer. I mean, what do you call someone that has shot videos for the likes of, get this, Gary V. Exactly. <laughs> My guest is a filmmaker and the creative director of Cinema Story Productions in Dallas, Texas. And guys, if you go online right now, you will see his work and you will understand why I wanted him on the podcast so bad. He's also the co-host of the filmmaking podcast, The Rough Cut Club. So ladies and gentlemen, Joey Nicotra. What are some of your favorite podcasts? Uh, I listen quite a bit to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Oh, uh, okay. It's all about like real you know, estate. financial and real mm -hmm. estate development and whatnot. I also listen to a Better Life podcast by the same guy that used to be the host. Uh, his name's Brandon. Turner. Brandon, yeah. Yep. And he talks all about on just having different guests on and different ways to have a better life, so to speak. So everything from food to finance to nutrition to you know, just anything and everything, family. Um, and then I listen to a handful of filmmaking podcasts and a couple of um, spiritual podcasts as well that are mainly like sermons um, from church. You're yeah. a very spiritual guy. Have you always been that? Uh, I started, I had an encounter with Jesus when I was 13. Oh. So I didn't grow up going to the church, but um, I, I'm, got introduced to it when I was 13 years old. Wow. And you've been like that since 13. I definitely had a, a life changing moment. Um, and fortunately, skateboarding was actually what brought me to the church. Uh, oh. It's kind of an interesting story as well. But uh, I had a, a mentor who decided to build a skate park inside of a church. And <laughs> I only started going to church so wow. that I had a place to skate. And once I started going to church, to go skateboarding, I wound up listening and, and kind of having, you know, my first encounter with, with Jesus. So, that was yeah. like the plan, I guess. I guess his plan was, I'm trying to, oh, I want to get I kids said, into the church, skateboard. Right? Wow. Yeah. And it worked. It did. And here I am, <laughs> and I guess, wow, 15 years later. And uh, I've definitely had, you know, I've been on a spiritual journey ever since then. And your parents were not religious at all. They... You know, they believed in Jesus, but I, they were not church going. Goers, yeah. Believing. I mean, they believed in the Bible, but it wasn't my parents that introduced, that introduced you. Yeah. So I am not Christian, but I'm Muslim. And yeah. my dad was, my mom wasn't religious, but my dad kind of was, but he was very liberal. I had liberal parents. Yeah. So they wouldn't force you to do anything. It was going to college that got me into yep. like 
It's like I re right, I reinvented myself. I I discovered it myself going to college, and yeah. that was better. If he had forced me like the traditional parents, I probably wouldn't have not. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's a good thing your parents didn't force you because right, exactly. on your own you just got it. Yeah. And I'm exactly. sure they're very proud of you, and they brag about you all the time. They do. They do. My mom. <laughs> Actually. Yeah, of course. It's like, oh, I don't know how he turned out like this. Yeah, I, didn't, exactly. I had no... <laughs> I had no. <laughs> she always says, uh, I turned out the way that I did in spite of her. In spite. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that's profound. Not because of her, but yeah. yeah. that's profound. She's great, though. She's angelic. Yeah. We love Mama. Yeah. I see a trend in you being a skateboarder and then you being a musician and you being a, a, yeah. a, a photographer. I see a trend that you might not see it and I'll tell you the trend I see. But to me, that's the beginning of your life yeah. in business or in sk yeah. the skills that you have right now. So yeah. I wanted us to start from there. Or if, if, if it's something happened before that, I wanted to start yeah. from the beginning. No, I'll, I'll take it from the top. I, I think when I was eight years old, uh, I got introduced to skateboarding and that was definitely a moment that changed the trajectory of the rest of my life. Uh, I became, it was the first thing that I ever fell in love with and I dedicated the next 12 years of my life to it. I like to say that I got uh, a little bit good. Uh, I wasn't the best, but I was mm -hmm. good enough to where uh, I started writing for a couple, uh, a couple of different companies. I started making money and touring the United States doing it really? in high school. And, How old were you then? Do you mind me asking? Uh, yeah, I was, I, I mean, I was 16 when I started really writing for companies. And so you then, started making money at 16? Mm -hmm. And then I started making, I started traveling around, um, wow. you know, doing contests and doing um, different performances. So we would actually perform in some, I think the biggest crowd I ever performed in front of was like 3000 people. Um, but we were doing really, you know, it, it was wow. a really exciting time for me to be on this independent athletic journey and kind of climbing the ladder. And I wound up having uh, a couple of career ending industries. I actually broke my back twice, uh, fully recovered from a broken back, uh, and wow. then had crazy, crazy ankle injuries, um, broken ankles, sprained ankles, bone spurs coming out of those breaks and fractures and the whole nine. And ultimately it kind of led me to, you know, a path where I knew that that season in my life was done and I, I had to go a different way. And so I actually started gravitating towards music and uh, cinematography. As a skateboarder, most of your life, you are growing up making skateboarding videos. And so video is a really, really close component of skateboarding that a lot of people don't know about. Um, and so I started making music with uh, a small group of my friends. And then I started... Um, dabbling in that for probably six years while doing video on the side and video and photo. And then I, I kind of realized that I was starting to audit my time and realized that all of my free time, I was trying to pour into how I could become a better filmmaker. Mm -hmm. uh, and I started out making music videos for my group of friends and I kind of became the video guy amongst our friends. And I realized that this is the passion that I need to go and follow and pursue. It was also the one that started paying me first. And so I was actually starting to make real money from making videos before I started making real money uh, in music and spoken word poetry. Um, and so once, once I kind of made that commitment, 
I, <clears throat> I was in, I was at the university of North Texas in college. And I think I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do for a major. I think I picked business. Um, and I was just like, I don't even know, but I'm here. Uh, and I, you know, over the course of that summer, really fallen in love with filmmaking. I woke up on the first day of school when I was going to start my major. I sat in my car for like 30 minutes and I was like, I don't want to wear a suit and tie for the rest of my life. And so I dropped out of all of my classes and said, I'm going to pursue the arts and never looked back after that. Did you switch majors or you switched school? I switched majors. And so I changed my major to uh, media arts. I think at the time it was radio, television, video, and film. Um, and so I wound up pursuing a media arts degree, which I knew the whole time I was there uh, wasn't going to actually get me a job in what I wanted to do. Uh, but I was, um, at the time, I had a full ride scholarship. So I was like, I'm going to see this thing through and might as well. And uh, from, I, I will say the greatest thing that college ever gave me was a relationship with my business partner uh, mm -hmm. through an alumni uh, association. And he was really what jump-started in uh, my career after college. I had met him and he was uh, uh, growing this small business that he was essentially, he had a business, but he was really a premium freelancer operating under the umbrella of a company. Yeah. And, and, and he had hired some people out before, but it was really, you know, mainly him. But he was a mentor to me right out of school and uh, he's my business partner today. His name's Shane Reitzammer, and he was the CEO and founder of Cinema Story Productions, which is the production company that the majority of my work has been done through. Um, but he was really a mentor to me and, and gave me some of my first real opportunities to go out in the industry and, and work with clients and, and fail, but it'd be okay. And uh, kind of took me under his wing and helped get me my start. Was he an alumni or was he his student at, at that time? He's actually about 10 years older than me. He was an alumni. How did you meet him? Were you in school at that moment when you met him? Or? So, I, so I graduated and had never taken a single freelance job in my life, but I okay. knew that I wanted to be a freelance filmmaker when I graduated. And so I finished my degree knowing that I wasn't going to utilize it because I was going to go be an entrepreneur and figure mm -hmm. out you know, how to do this thing on my own. And probably six weeks after graduating from college, uh, I got on a Facebook page forum and re and he was looking for, you know, a shooter for a project that he had coming up. And he was the very first and only connection that I've ever gotten from that Facebook alumni page, but it wound up being the best possible person that I could yeah. have met to help jumpstart my career. And since then we've gone on to make hundreds, if not over a thousand videos together in the last seven years. You, you, you're from Texas, right? So you, you've only heard about like Aggies, um, yeah. how like the alumni network is like so strong. This is my yeah. first time seeing someone, you, you didn't go, to, I, I'm, I'm, you're not an yep. Aggie, right? Not an Aggie. So <laughs> I'm a, technically an Eagle, I guess. Um, but we, uh, yeah, University of North Texas. North Texas. So this is very interesting that you can leverage your alumni association. Like I need to go join our Facebook group ASAP because you changed your life just from joining that Facebook group pretty much. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I've, I've literally never gotten any other jobs out of it, but within the first six weeks I found 
somebody that changed the rest of my life. And the wow. networking component of filmmaking is everything. It doesn't matter what you know, but who you know. Oh. And it's you know a very cliche phrase, but um, if you know the right people, they can help provide the right kind of work that will land you on bigger sets and and give you opportunities to stretch your craft as an artist. Wow, that you see, this is this is beautiful. I have so I went on this journey to start this podcast is because I worked. I think like so I was working last year and I quit my job to see how entrepreneurship would go for me for a year. So after like six months of grinding, trying and error, I finally made a decent amount of money with my side hustle that became my full hustle. And I wanted to see how I can sustain this inflow of clients. So I wanted to talk to every Dick and Harry of like everybody like that has any business remotely at all. Tell me how you got your clients and everything. So when I started this journey of like with the podcast and interviewing all these entrepreneurs and everything, the underlining common denominator is this whole networking thing. Everybody keeps talking about networking that. So it's, it's, it's crazy that every time I'm having an interview with anybody, it's all about networking, networking. Right. Everybody has different avenue. Yours was Facebook group. Some other person can be like someone, someone else. I think the other guy from UK was LinkedIn. Another right. person was face, like, it's ridiculous. It's networking. I, there's something that, you know, maybe I should change this podcast name to like networking podcast because it's amazing like you learn a lot from just talking to I mean you're my 11th person now or 12 and same thing it's it's amazing so you found so you found him six weeks after graduating and yep. did he employ you as an employer or he was just calling you whenever he needed extra hand yeah so to this day I'm an independent contractor and okay. the thing about being an independent contractor is you you are a premium contractor, so you make more money than an average person. Mm -hmm. But the caveat is you have to go out and find all the work. And yeah. so the if if you can keep your books full as an independent contractor, that's amazing because you can make you know uh, a really great day rate. But uh, the hard part is finding the clients that will pay that. And yeah. so. My advice to filmmakers who are getting their start, but they're looking to find clients is to rephrase the question. And instead of finding, you know, a uh, hundred different clients who you can work for for the year, go out and try to find like three to five really successful production companies, because it's way easier to become a resource to a production company hmm. and have the production companies go and fish for the clients and handle the bids and and the contracts and and the day rates and and the logistics and to just give you the work as an independent contractor. Hmm. So what I did is I wound up building relationships with probably 6 to 8 production companies and they kept my books full year round. I didn't have to go out and look for any additional clients, any additional ones that came my way because they saw the work that I was promoting online or word of mouth from being on set and being like, oh, you, you're doing a great job. Like, come do this for us. Eventually, I was able to build my brand and my portfolio enough to where um, through the, the contacts that I made while working jobs for the different production companies, I was able to scale my network and now... 
I don't have to go out and one by one hunt down individual clients. So you didn't do that that popular thing that everybody does, like doing working for free at first. You didn't go through all that. Did you work for free at all? Um, I still to this day work for free, actually. It depends. Really? On, yes. So the thing with with being a filmmaker is I always say that passion is the secret ingredient to landing your next biggest client. When you do the projects and you pour your blood, sweat, and tears in and just give it all you got because you're passionate about it, I might actually go pay to do a project if I believe that it's going to be a portfolio piece that helps me get a a client down the road that will be willing to pay for it. Sometimes in order to get something in your portfolio, you have to pay out of pocket to make it happen, Hmm. whether that's your time, whether that's money, whether, you know, it's whatever. Sometimes you have to go do the free work. And so I, while I don't believe you should work for free forever in the very beginning, part of the portfolio building building was working extremely cheap or working and doing passion projects that I was fully in charge of and I put out. And so when I was actually networking, most of the time I was showing the passion projects that I did for free that I was like, I'm going to put everything that I can into this to make it the best that it can be. And then this is now my business card. This Hmm. video right here is what I'm going to show people to say, hey, this is why we should do business together. But I wouldn't have gotten that if I hadn't worked for free. So you, so the reason why you worked for free was because it was your passion project and you had control, right? You could do it out how yeah. you wanted it, as opposed to the ones that you did for cheap for other people that you weren't really proud of, right? Right. Well, and how often do you work for, for a client and their vision seems inferior to your vision, mm-hmm. but because they're cutting the check, you have, you to. have to do it how they want So, so often as a filmmaker, we do these projects and they're like, oh, take this shot out. I look weird from this angle, but it's like, dude, the shot looks amazing. And Mm -hmm. your insecurity is causing the, you know, the the production. Yeah. To look, yeah. Lesser or me to be not as excited about it. And as an artist, when you can control the brushstrokes that you do, and then you get to put that in your portfolio forever. A lot of times it's worth it. The other thing too with what I do is doing free work allows me the opportunity to grow as an artist and Mm. to do something that, you know, I may fail completely at this project, but because it's free, there's no, you know, there's no risk. And so I can go and, and, and explore different uh, avenues as a filmmaker to grow in my craft or to practice, mm-hmm. you know, lighting something new, yeah. something new that I can then take and put in my toolbox when somebody's actually paying me to do the job. I love that you're saying this because people would think that, oh, I've gotten to some certain, I've gotten to some certain point in my career that I can, I, that's beneath me doing free work. I love that you you mentioned this because you are where you are right now. You know, you, you're doing great, like I've seen your profile, I've seen your portfolio, you're like, you know, <laughs> way off there. Like, so, and you, to tell me that you're still doing free, it's profound, yeah. like an and this is going to be very motivational for anybody listening. Who are you to not take up free work? You're just starting out. Who are you to know? You should be taking up free work, right? And I, and I will say that they're not all free work is something that you should take. But there's a couple of different things. Like anytime I get an opportunity to work with somebody that I respect, whether that's a new director or a new producer, 
I then have the opportunity to make a relationship with somebody who's going to want to hire me hmm. in the future. And so I will go and, and work at a discounted rate, or if it's a really exciting project that I get to put in my portfolio, I'll go do it for free. If it's something that I'm going to hate and I'm not going to meet a lot of people, oh, yeah. it's not no. an opportunity that I'm going to jump on. Mm-hmm. But for instance, I recently uh, did a project on my uh, that I posted or shared online uh, doing my first virtual production job, which uh, if you don't know, it's very technical. It's very complicated. Um, not a lot of people get to do it, but there's a demand for it in my industry. And so I actually had a a unicorn of an opportunity to go and do a spec commercial in a virtual production studio. Can you explain more what a virtual production is? Yeah. So essentially there's a 32 in, in this circumstance, a 32 foot video screen that is behind me. Um, the Mandalorian actually made this popular and, and now it's exploded, but essentially, uh, there's a video screen behind the, the talent and the production and you're lighting your talent or whoever to look like they're in the environment of the background on, on, on screen. And so car commercials do this all the time because there's way more control. It's way easier to shoot, you know, a moving car. It's way safer um, the time of day never changes. It's it's a controlled environment. Um, and so a lot of times when you're watching, you know, somebody driving in the car in a movie, you're actually just seeing video mm-hmm. of you know, the road moving in the background while they're sitting still in the studio mm-hmm. and someone shaking the car to make it yeah. look like moving. And so we had an opportunity uh, is basically where they put a tracker on your camera and it puts you inside of like a basically like a video game background. Hmm. So where, when I go and move the camera, it's going to show me a new part of the world Mm. on the virtual screen. So my background moves as the camera moves. Um, but it's very difficult to light because imagine trying to be in a, you know, a a studio where there's no lights and you have to bring all the lights in Mm -hmm. to make it look like natural sunlight. It's very difficult. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, Yeah. And to make it not look fake. <laughs> right. And, and, and so that was an opportunity for, for me to grow as an artist so that when the next job comes along where they say, hey, do you have any experience shooting a virtual production? Now the answer is yes. And so that investment of time on a free project you know, will pay dividends for the rest of my career. And I'll always have the, you know, I had the opportunity to go and fail or take longer than a client's budget would allow Mm -hmm. so that I could learn, you know, the nuance of how to do it better when there's actually a paid opportunity that comes along. Okay. There's another one I wanted to talk to you about. It was the one with Gary V. Yeah. (laughs) I was excited about that. I wanted like, tell me about, was that a paid gig or was that a free gig? That one one was paid. And so, um, uh, one of my, one of my VIP clients, who we do a, a, a great deal of work for annually, um, actually put together an event mm-hmm. where they brought Gary in wow. to be a keynote speaker. Um, and so I got to do an interview with him and Gary, uh, you know, just a handful of us in the room. 
Um, and then Gary got on stage and, and came to a private VIP dinner and I got to cover the whole thing. Um, along with a handful of other really incredible entrepreneurs that I respect, um, Ryan Pineda, Bradley, uh, Jesse Itzler, um, Jesse Itzler was there. Jesse Itzler was there. Um, wow. I feel like I'm, I'm leaving one out, but, um, that's amazing. Anyway, it was, oh, and Andy Elliott. Uh, and so anyway, it was, wow. it was an incredible, uh, you know, entrepreneurial keynote speaking event. And I got to interview Gary and, and meet him and be one of the guys that asks him a question on the side that he gets to give a really intuitive. Oh my God. That's like, that's like, it's very, that's, it's very hard to get access to those kind of people. It's yeah. very hard. And if you wanted to even get a coaching question from them, it's so hard to get in. And if you want to pay yourself to pay through, it's going to be right. almost impossible. Yeah. How does it feel to be among like people like that? <laughs> the energy in the room is insane. I'm not going to lie. There's like, when you're around, you know, probably, I don't know, close to a billion dollars and four or five people. Like, I know. Yeah. The energy and just like seeing how they move, it makes you rethink, you know, like what you're, what you're doing. What you're and, doing. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. It, some people don't like it, but it's just like a, an alpha energy that is there. You, you just kind of go, dang, like this is, this is how really successful people, people move. This is how they yeah. carry themselves. Like they're like, all right, I got 30 minutes and then I got to, my Uber's going to be taking me to my plane. That's taking me to my next gig before the night is even up. And it's like, oh my god, They move real fast, right? It's a grind. Yeah. It's insane. Wow. Did you, did you come out of that experience? Like excited, extra motivated? Was he? Oh, for sure. Gary, Gary has been a, a big inspiration, you know, and, and I've learned a lot through him. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that he always talks about is just gratitude and, and finding happiness in what you're doing. Like he'll, he'll tell people you have to grind to, if you want to, you know, reach the top, but for some people, they don't want to reach the top. Some people's happiness and content level isn't being, you know, 1%, but it's mm -hmm. time with your family or it's, yeah. you know, it's a, a different definition of success, success rather than just having millions and millions mm -hmm. of dollars and no time or people around you that love you to enjoy it with. And so um, I've always been really inspired by his definition of success. success. I like that. Uh, and that's impacted me in my life. What surprised you? What What is the most surprising thing you took out of like? Oh, I didn't know this when you in, with that experience. Um, I, I think for me, the biggest takeaway was just seeing again, seeing how they move. They, they move, okay. Yeah, and and while while there's almost while there's absolutely an undeniable level of respect, mm -hmm. like I look at how limited their time is yeah. um and like to be honest while i respect them i don't i don't want their their life, their life. You know what I mean? yeah i love being able to be in my home on a tuesday and yeah you know, <laughs> relaxed my, yeah and my, and my wife gets home and, and me get to unplug and, and see yeah. her and be plugged into family like i have suffered from being a workaholic yeah and, and she has helped pull me back and be like, dude, there's so much more to life than, uh, being a successful entrepreneur. Like it, yeah. I, I love that. And that wakes me up in the morning. She grounds you. 
she grounds me, man. And so it's good to have people around you that are, you know, the counterbalance mm-hmm. to the scale. Um, and so she's definitely that for me. So that was why with, with this podcast, that was one of the reasons why I was like starting this podcast is like, yes, there is the top 1%, top 001%. There's the Bill Gates of the world. But mm-hmm. the rest of us, the 99.9% of us necessarily do not want that. What if I yeah. just want to just work a nine to five. I, I I know I shit a lot on nine to five people, but talk to some people that are actually very happy with the nine to five job. We do need people that work nine to five. We need doctors that work seven yeah. to seven. They, they play an important role in the life. So we cannot, we as entrepreneurs, we need to not be polarized and go, oh, nine to five. <laughs> you know, you know, we need to like respect that some people just like that and enjoy that life, you know. The the biggest thing in my opinion is just knowing yourself and knowing your own goals. My, my wife is a medical esthetician and so mm. she does care and skin treatments and lasers and stuff like that. Um, and we've talked a lot of times and I was like, you should open up your own spa. Mm-hmm. You should do all these things. Like the entrepreneur in me is yeah. like, to, you know, tell her that. And she's like, in no way, shape or form hmm. do I ever want to own my own business. Wow. Like, because she's seen like how people get married to their jobs, how much of their life it consumes. Like when she gets off work, she goes home, she plays with her dog, she reads books, she, you know, waters plants and she goes, you know, walks around outside and, and like that fills her cup and allows her to do tomorrow with energy and excellence again. And for me, I'm not wired that way. Mm -hmm. Like I could work from you know, 6.30 in the morning to nine o'clock at night and like feel totally filled up because I have a productive day. And so how we're wired is different. But if you know yourself and you know that, um, you know, a nine to five actually gives you more peace and happiness in life and job security and you're doing what you love and you don't have the overhead and the risk and the headaches that come with being an entrepreneur, there's nothing wrong with having a nine to five. It just boils down to knowing yourself and knowing what your goals are. And if your nine to five allows you to reach your goals, then amazing. If it doesn't, then that's for me, a nine to five wouldn't. And so I have to go be an entrepreneur because- Mm -hmm building businesses and building art that inspires me to go build more art is mm-hmm. what that's your I love yeah that's what I love mm-hmm. but so that so our paths look different and we work together to meet in the middle and carve time out to where we can be with each other and and whatnot but um, I love that combination of you and your wife. That, that's like a perfect combination. Speaking of that, Jesse yeah. Isler, he's like yeah. the poorest in his household. <laughs> I like saying that. You know his wife? Yeah, I don't know his wife, no. She's the she's the one that um, started Spanx. You know what Spanx is? Oh, yes. I, he told me that uh, when, we were, when we were in person. I was like... He's the poorest person in his house. His oh wife God. is rich. <laughs> you can imagine a billionaire being poor. No, I, I will say this. I, I actually had a conversation with Jesse uh, off off camera after doing an interview with him and hearing the business idea that he is about to start up uh, was it changed the way that I think about starting businesses now. Hmm. And I was I was really inspired. And a conversation with Jesse was actually a really big takeaway now that um, you bring him back up. Do you mind sharing it? Um, not the business. It doesn't have to be the business, yeah. but like what you took away from he he 
he looked at the market for a specific product and asked everyone in the room, like if they could name five companies that do what this product does. And Mm. not one of us in the room could name more than like two different companies that did what this product was doing. And so he looked at the market and saw these companies have been doing the same you know, non-innovative business uh, model just because it works and everybody consumes them. Uh, but there's been no innovation done to the business in forever. Forever. And there's no competition with them of like a new up and coming brand that's challenging the status quo of a commonly mm-hmm. consumed product. And I was just like, man, how he just put us all on game that quickly uh, and he's like, I'm about to go take over this industry because nobody's <laughs> doing it. And yeah. I was just like, man, like it was, wow. it was cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated about his, his story and everything. I think he's, he's going to kill it because he's a serial entrepreneur. He's done his, this over and over again. His, his keynote speaking was insane too. Like he adds, because he had come from a musical background, mm-hmm. he brings a DJ. And Wasn't then- he a rapper? He was a rapper, right? Yeah. Yeah, he used to be a rapper and he bring he brings a DJ out that uh DJs the whole time and he infuses music into his keynote oh, speaking in like a really unique way. And it was like, man, this is this that dude is, is awesome. It's that's what cool. I was telling you. Like you are your niche because he has a music background with the entrepreneur and he brought that, you know, that yeah. perfect mixture into into what he does. Like now everybody does like yeah public speaking and now he's infusing music into it you know that's amazing i don't know who else does something like that i think um there was that i'm from i'm originally from nigeria and there's this comedian that did something similar he has a music background but he's funny he's a comedian so he does like there's a a word he used comic music like he sings but he's like also being funny and that made him blow up so like just yeah. mixing two things together like that makes you unique. And that's why they always say like your own, your person. Like imagine you finding a way to mix uh, your cinematography right. background with skateboard, with music and yep. make a whole like Joey soup. <laughs> exactly. And that's, so, that's what we try to do. I mean, I, I don't do as much, you know, in music mm-hmm. as I used to, but I love getting to do music videos because it is where music yes. filmmaking. Yes, filming, yeah. And, the most creative way to express yourself as an artist because there's no rules there's no boundaries yeah and i bet you're so excited when you're doing that because it's the two things you love in one yep yeah so how did you get started you didn't go to school for filmmaking how did you learn your skills well i i went to school for filmmaking but they don't get any credit for what i know how to do uh, oh. I so I went to a liberal arts college, which I would never recommend if you're going to be an artist because they give you a whole wide, broad spectrum of information, and you mm-hmm. don't focus down on anything. So you leave school being Confused. an expert in nothing, hmm. uh, but you do what your parents say you should always do, which is go to a four year liberal arts college and get your degree. Mm-hmm. Does nothing for you as an artist. Um, <laughs> But I I learned how to do was this what after I, college or was it the same college University of North Texas? Yeah, yeah, North, North okay. Texas. Yep. And so I graduated at 22 with a degree in film, not knowing how to make films. And uh, I think my whole time that we were there, I took I had a one hour a one hour class on lighting in four years, 
And so as a filmmaker, you can imagine like how little I knew by the time that I left college. And, and so I actually got out into the industry and it's just, it's failing forward. I tell people all the time, if you want to learn how to be an artist, you can't pick up a book and read about line and color and the theory behind it and never pick up a pencil. Hmm. You learn how to become a good artist when you put pencil to paper and you start drawing. Hmm. And so as a filmmaker, you get good by picking up a camera and starting to shoot and you fail way more than you do succeed when you get started, but you learn like, Oh man, this could have looked better if I had done this. And then you research that and then you apply that the next time, but then you fail at this the next time. And then it's this cycle where, you know, you have to kind of go into it knowing that you're going to fail for a little bit, but that's part of the, you know, you being willing to go through that is what will separate you as yeah. an artist. But it's it's just picking up a camera and beginning to shoot. Did it take you four, I mean, you spent four years learning nothing. Would it take you four years to become a very good videographer, cinematographic person? It, it depends on who you're surrounded by. Uh, I think a really quick way to fast track your growth as an artist is to be surrounded by artists that are better than you. And okay. so for me, like I had found a mentor that was that was further along than I was and was able to coach me and like, how do you properly do an interview? How do you properly, you know, shoot an event? How do you go and film a wedding? How do you go and do all these things that I had no idea how to do when I got started? Um, and so finding a mentor is a really great way to fast track your growth as an artist. It's like when you're surrounded by people who are going to the gym all the time, you're naturally going to find yourself eating better and working out more and, and, it's because you're surrounded by people that are pursuing the same goal as you. And so for me, I try to, I tried to be the dumbest person in the room or the worst artist in the room as often as I can, hmm. because if I'm the worst in the room, I'm only going to be getting get better. better. Yeah. So if someone's starting from scratch, you wouldn't tell them to go to school. You tell them to just pick up the camera and just do the hard work, do the and hard work for four years. Well, I would, I would say that if you want to be a freelance filmmaker that you do not need film school hmm. but you have to have a desire to to continually be a student of the game and i'm constantly still watching youtube videos i'm taking courses online from you know uh top tier cinematographers i'm listening to podcasts i'm reading magazines about filmmaking i'm still doing the work of learning the craft even you know seven or eight years later i'm still doing homework and that never goes away as an artist you're constantly practicing your brush strokes you're expanding the different brushes that are in your toolkit you're learning new techniques new you're challenging yourself with telling a story in new to, in, in new ways and, and so for me, it's, it's, it's just putting in the reps. It's amazing you say this because your work is so good though. Like I can't imagine you say, I don't know if you're just humble, being humble, but like you are like, whoa, like you look so expensive. I feel, I bet a lot of, a lot of us can't afford you. You look like the LA, like, you know, like actual film, you know, production. And I bet you do films too, but yeah. how does someone get there? Like it's, it's it's intimidating i tell you for sure so like you coming coming down to our level is i love that but 
back in my head, I'm like, see your work? I don't think this sounds doable. I appreciate it. I, you know, it's, it's an evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first started out, if you saw how bad my films were, um, you know, it, it, that, that's where, that's where it starts at. And, you know, you start making, you learn one thing after the next and, you know, you make one video after the next and I'm between all the social content that I've made, uh, you know, I've made hundreds, if not thousands of people, pieces of social content, but I've told, you know, documentary, I've made documentary films. I've shot for nonprofits and done event recaps. I've probably, I've done way more weddings in my career than I would have ever liked to have done. (laughs) Um, and all of that knowledge, every time I go on set and shoot my camera, I learn a little bit more. Hmm. And so it's, Every single project, I take a little piece of information from that I can apply to the next one. There have been so many things that I've learned from getting my start shooting weddings that I took all the way into making my first feature film. Hmm. And so, um, you know, all of the little things and just studying how light actually works mm-hmm. um, is is and, and how a camera movement can make somebody feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, studying movies when, uh, when I'm watching a movie night, like I'm looking at how how they started the scene and why they started on an insert and then move to a face and how a different lens, you know, changes your perspective or perspective of a character. Um, and so there's all the little nuance that I Mm -hmm. study now that helps me Moving on to the next project. What is the difference between cinematography and videography? (laughs) Um, I would say in my mind, cinematography is more geared towards, you know, a a higher level of, of filmmaking that is commonly seen in movies and documentaries. Okay. And so cinematography is really when, um, you know, you have a team of people around you. It, it doesn't have to be, but oftentimes it looks like a team of people um, that are all really, really good at one specific thing that come together to make like a movie, for a instance. Movie. And and there's there's still cinematography involved in videography. Um, but at the end of the day, when you say the word cinematography, you hear the word cinematic in your yeah. head. And so when you're shooting something to really feel cinematic and feel like it was done with movie level quality, mm-hmm. in my mind, that's cinematography, oh. but videography is, is kind of, I mean, it's, it's still the same thing, but mm-hmm. it's got a connotation to the word yeah. that means less cinematic, Yeah, uh, you know. I feel. So how can a lot of my audience are business people and, and you resonate because you're also a businessman and trying to diversify. I know we spoke of that before we, I spoke, we spoke, we spoke about that a little bit before we hit the um, the record button. A lot of, how do you, if you were, if you were in our shoes, you didn't know anything about um, cinematography or holding a camera. How do you think a business owner before they can have, before they can afford people, um, before they can afford someone like you, what do you think they can do right now to help their business? Because video is key. Video is everything, you know, in businesses. You need to showcase your product, your services through video, through social media, through everything. And I know you work with a lot of social media influencers too and all that. What advice would you t- 
tell people, um, business owners to do in terms of making their own videos? Should they get a camera? Should they just use their phone? Like what would you tell someone in that shoes? Yeah. So a lot of, we've seen a, a, a big change in this, even just in the last, you know, four to five years, there's been cr- like getting on Instagram looks way different now than it did four yeah. or five years ago, even, even one year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is realizing that attention of their audience is the biggest asset that they can have in their business. Um, and you have to kind of get over being afraid to be on camera hmm. and you know, you don't need to go out and buy uh, an expensive camera to be creating content. A lot of times iPhones create relatability, but professional cameras create credibility. And Hmm. so I always tell people you want to have a blend of both on your page because sometimes you're looking and you, you can relate to something that was filmed on an iPhone, but when you see something that was professionally done, you're like, wow, this is a creditable person that is actually pouring into their business. The other thing is when you have an online social presence, people immediately trust you more. And Hmm. so if you were going to go do business, let's just say you wanted to hire a landscaper and their business had no social presence at all. You had nothing to go and like fact check or, you know, look at what they'd done before uh, versus this other landscaper who has all these yards that they've done and, you know, all of these different, just proof of, of them working. You're going to trust that landscaper more because they're present online. And so one of the things that you need to do is get present. Um, and just have a presence. The other thing too is, uh, if you, you know, if money is the issue, um, and you want to have an online presence, but you can't hire somebody else to do it, then you're in the, you're in the season of your business where you have to kind of still do that on your own because you can't afford to hire it out. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you can find somebody who can go and do it for you, then you're always going to, you know, be able to utilize your time better, pouring into your business, building your business, doing what you're best at mm-hmm. versus trying to figure out how to make a reel on Instagram <laughs> reels when you've never done it before, trying mm-hmm. to figure out the best way to get good audio, trying to figure mm-hmm. out the best way. Like it requires a ton of time. Yeah. So as soon as you can go to hire a professional to take that off your plate and stop trying to figure out how to do it, but who can do it. And they're going to be able to take your business to the next level because you're one buying your time back, but you're also getting a higher output and quality of the final product. And so as soon as you can hire it out, whether that's to, you know, uh, a kid right out of college, or even if you have to, you know, shoot the video yourself on an iPhone, but send it to somebody on Fiverr, like figure out a way to get the editing off your plate. Um, but, but be present online. I love that you said that because I was reading a book well a while ago that says the moment, if you're still working in your business, you are a technician. You need to work on your business and your time is better served working on your business to just hire it out. You can start. The only thing I, I, I'm, I have a reservation about is Fiverr. I see the quality of people from Fiverr is quite low. For sure. But they're, it's, it's cheap. And so, 
it, you know, typically if you're, if money is the issue, you're going to get a, a cheaper quality uh, yeah. product, but it's one of those things that, you know, this whole thing is, is it's a ladder that you got to climb. Like if, if you can have a cheaper, I don't know, I, I'm a quality guy, but yeah, I, I, I was going to say <laughs> th- there's a line though, to where it's like, okay, I could spend an entire day editing this perfect reel. And, you know, as a small business owner, um, if you spend an entire day trying to figure out how to edit a reel instead of just putting out the fires that are going on in your actual business, in my opinion, it would be better to have a cheaper product that is quicker to market, but to be able to focus eight hours of your day on building your business than it would be to, you know, it's a law of dimension. Yeah. Uh, in, in my opinion, and I'm a I guy agree. that does it, but I think yeah. that just if you can find somebody else, even if they're local that you can bring on and pay them a retainer of, you know, three to 5,000 bucks a month. And then they can hand, they can be your marketing person where they're mm-hmm. doing all the filming, all the editing, all the posting. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, just, you got to find that person that's willing to do that and gives you quality that you like. I like that advice. I like that. You're not trying to be those, uh, people that are like, you can do it. You can, <laughs> I like that you're being honest that, Let's be honest. Like no matter, I, I have I, I have this belief that if I'm bad at something, no matter how much effort and time I put in it, I'm only going to be mediocre. Yeah, I would never be great at it. The, it. It depends on how much time you're willing to put into it. But if it's not your passion and you just know exactly. that it's something that you need to do, like your business is going to grow exponentially more by having you work on running the business than trying mm-hmm. to figure out Instagram Reels. You need to be doing Reels. And you need to learn how to be on camera and make creative things to a degree, mm-hmm. but you don't need to, the, the bulk of the time is not spent in production, making something it's spent in post-production. Yeah. Post-production it. for sure. Yeah. And so if you can have, you know, uh, somebody making iPhone content for your business and shooting you on camera or shooting products for your business or, you know, whatever, a lot of times you just need like 10 to 20 second reels that are keeping your page relevant and active and you can be sending those off to somebody without that much experience to cut mm-hmm. these things together unless you're making a really complicated product. Um, yeah, that's just I my agree. two cents. I, I love that. I love that. So um, if you have one last thing to share to the audience in terms of cinematography and just, cause I, you know, I promised you one hour of your time, so I'm just going <laughs> to one hour one last thing to tell them if they can't forget everything you said all through one thing they should go take take from this conversation what would that be if if your goal is to become a filmmaker the best thing that you can get out there and do is just start going and making films i want to let you know that your films are more than likely not going to be very good in the beginning but the career itself is a very fulfilling career if you're willing to put in the reps to get to a place where you can call yourself a quality filmmaker. You get to travel, you get to meet people, you get to learn about different, you know, uh, careers and people and stories. Um, I have never been more fulfilled uh, in my life than when I am telling 
stories that make a difference in the world and make an impact on other people. And I think if you know that this is something that is keeping you up at night and that you keep thinking about, get out there and just start making films. You don't need gear like good gear in order to build a filmmaking career. Hmm. iPhones now are better than the cameras that the Titanic was shot on. Hmm. Um, and <clears throat> you have a really, really solid camera right in your pocket and you can work on becoming a good storyteller, which is way more important than becoming really, you know, buying a really great camera because somebody can give me a really bad camera, but because I know what to do with it and how to tell a story, that story is ultimately going to hook an audience way more than mm -hmm. somebody who has a really great camera, but they have no skills in how to use it. And so the best advice is to get out there and learn how to tell good stories, not let the gear be a limitation, surround yourself with other filmmakers and continue to just keep on painting on that canvas. Oh my God, this advice is like, this content is going everywhere. That's why I really want to interrupt. I love it. This is perfect. I Thank you so much, man. This is, I've learned a lot today. And I know when I was trying to invite you on, you're like, I'm pretty sure you're like resistant. Like, what am I to say? I have learned so much today and I really appreciate the values you just, you just dropped here today. And where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on as a guest on your podcast. It has mm -hmm. uh, been a privilege. I've enjoyed our conversation. Uh, and, and thanks again for uh, reaching out and having me yeah. on. If people want to get connected with me, they can find me on Instagram at Joey Nicotra, N-I-C-O-T-R-A. And I also have a podcast myself uh, where we teach the art and business of filmmaking at the Rough Cut Club. And so if you're interested, you can either, you know, learn more about filmmaking from that avenue, uh, get connected with me on Instagram and, and say hi and say what's up. And I always respond back to all of my DMs. And trust um, Joey. He's like the quality fanatic. The podcast is so much quality and they just started and it looks like they've been around for so long. So if you just drive in and you want to go into photography or cinematography, perfect podcast i was while i was driving back here that was what i was listening to so awesome. it's it's perfect yeah you have a radio voice too it's like you're born for this i would never <laughs> think no seriously you have the radio voice you have you guys were so comfortable knowing from the guy that's behind the camera you guys are very comfortable and with the with the mic and everything i loved it, it was fun yeah. listening to y'all and your I partner he's very funny too he's great <laughs> I mean, shout out to Shane if you're watching this uh yeah appreciate you brother yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Joey. You have a good one. Thank you.